This episode of Bonfireside Chat is brought to you by the Diggity Duck Bundle. What is the Diggity Duck Bundle? Um, well, it is a charity bundle. Uh, we put together Cole and I and everybody on the network upset about the state of the world and looking for ways to make real change have recorded one episode of every show on the network. Um, and we put this in a bundle. Uh, you can buy this bundle for $10 and up. Uh, we encourage you to give more if you're able to, but $10 is the minimum. Um, it is 10 hours of stuff. So it's a dollar an hour. Um, and it contains an episode of everything. So not only is it a good way to, uh, help a great cause, um, all money from that goes to charity. Um, that goes split three ways down the middle to the ACLU, um, care C A I R, uh, which is an immigration and immigrant support, uh, charity and the national domestic violence hotline. Um, so we want to do this to, uh, again, to kind of fight back against the dying of the night and, uh, you get cool stuff. So there is, uh, the episode of Bonfire's Eye Chat in it is, uh, talking to Jim Crawford of Frog Fractions 2, uh, talking to him about, uh, his history with Souls of Darkness. Um, he included a Souls of Darkness LCD game in Frog Fractions 2, and, uh, we talked to him about that. Um, but each, uh, each show on the network gets a, gets a representation and they're significant. Um, they're, you know, uh, actual real life episodes of the show. So check it out. Go to duckfeed.tv forward slash store. Um, and thanks for, you know, helping us. Thanks for helping us do what we can, um, again to, uh, to, to fight back. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a salty favorite. <laughs> and this week, we are beginning our coverage of Salt and Sanctuary, a Souls-like game developed by Ska Studios in 2016. Uh, so last year, uh, around the time that Dark Souls 3 came out for the PS4, um, and then eventually on the PC, you can get this on Steam. Yes, yeah, which you couldn't at the time. Right. So uh, I play this on PS4, but it is available on Steam as well. Yeah. Um, Scott Studios is just two people. Uh, this is James and Michelle Silva. Um, I'm, which is, um, they've done a couple other games as well. Yeah, dish, um, Dishwasher Samurai, something like that. Dishwasher Samurai is the most famous one. There are a couple of Easter eggs for that in here. Um, I didn't realize it, but I had played a game by these guys uh, really early on. And when I first downloaded a game for Xbox, which was I made a game with zombies in it. Oh, yeah, uh, I played that. Was, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's these guys. <laughs> um, so this is a uh, an attempt to bring kind of soul style play to a two D platformer, and it is uh, really really like souls with the numbers filed off kind of thing. <laughs> as much so, I would say, as Lords of the Fallen. Yeah. Um, other than the fact that it has that different perspective, which makes a big difference for good and ill, which we'll talk about the ways that the game benefits from that and and detriments from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really really souls down to trying to capture like the feeling of like lore and atmosphere and everything like it is a very 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 uh intense homage yeah 
uh, to souls. So all of this, all of those times that we've ever said, "Oh, that's that's kind of like souls," we have been kind of inflating that grade. No, this is very much like souls, and yes. we're going to be drawing an awful lot of parallels, especially here in the generalities, just to let you know how it maps from one to the other. Yeah, because the way that this game, uh, again, like the way it succeeds and fails in it changing from a 3D to a 2D game, um, also is in how it compares to its clear inspiration right you know to kind of its source material for lack of a, a better word mm-hmm. yeah and it was also inspired by the non-linear castlevania games you know since you are exploring these uh kind of interconnected areas you are getting movement skills that let you do kind of more intricate platforming um and kind of get past these these ability gates um that that, that are popping up here so you know there are many comparisons to be made between dark souls and castlevania this is marrying the two even further well, and, and the comparisons between Dark Souls and Castlevania are Dark Souls and Castlevania 1 through 3. Yes. This is Dark Souls plus Symphony of the Night mm-hmm. onward, like Igavania Ig- uh, kind of thing. So it's uh, it's Dark Souls as if it were married through a different kind of Castlevania. Yes. And uh, you can listen to the uh, recent Watch Out for Fireballs episode on Symphony of the Night to hear us kind of talk about the differences yeah. between the, those two things a little bit more. People in the Watch Out for Fireballs Slack were talking about a new, I guess, like, there people are trying to find new words for this, and I guess a new one is Castleroid, which sounds terrible. I think that they were joking. Oh, I, okay. I don't know if that's... I, I think that, in, in fact, I think that we may have made that joke in that episode, Cole. <laughs> oh, and God. then they were they were bringing that up. Am I, I Fox Newsing myself? Fuck. I think you might be Fox Newsing yourself, my friend. <laughs> people um, are saying. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the uh yeah i that i think that is a joke okay. I, you know um because i mean if, if people are honestly trying to find a new name for metroidvania i don't really under yeah, understand yeah. why like it's it's fine um <laughs> you know everyone knows what you mean yep Lang- language is descriptive not prescriptive yeah um, call of duty is a doom clone yeah <laughs> there we go it's, it's all it's all doom clones and this is a souls like yes um so it, we've got those, those movement mechanics that kind of add uh this platforming the combat feels close to like kind of one-to-one souls yeah um in that it is slow and kind of methodical it is highly stamina based um there is a parry there is a block that takes a certain amount of stamina um you know things like that this also runs into some rough edges in the translation to 2d which we'll talk about yeah um but it is clearly an attempt to take the same kind of souls combat and make it yes there's a little bit more nuance to it there are kind of combos and um, the ability to jump makes a difference. Yes, it does. In in uh, in combat, but uh, it is it's pretty much Dark Souls combat yeah. it, from the side. It, definitely, and it is the most Soulsy when you're fighting a kind of large enemy, you know, on the same level as you. Where it kind of breaks down is when you're fighting lots of small enemies that are far more mobile than your character oh, yeah. is designed to be. Well, flying enemies in this game are a war crime, <laughs> and the uh, and big enemies you can't roll through uh, also suck. Yeah. I think you, you can roll through big enemies. It depends on your uh, on your equipment weight. But there are enemies that are so big that you cannot roll through them. Well, or they just happen to be at the edge of the screen, okay. which becomes yeah. a problem with bosses. Yes. Um, which we'll talk about in kind of the polish subheading of this. <laughs> um, if you die, your salt is collected by whatever killed you. Your salt being uh, the souls analog for this um, kind of powering that enemy up, you know, making it again this game of horse um like any number of souls likes do or if you die to an environmental hazard if nothing takes your life um then it turns into a poisonous salt bat that you have to kill yes yeah um 
And and just the standard bonfire side chat disclaimer: if we say souls instead of salt, if we say bonfire instead of shrine, uh, you will forgive us. Yep. Uh, so are, it's just we, a, we are we are saying lowercase b bonfire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, stamina is really uh, a big deal. Um, your jump actually counts against it, so more of your mobility. You have more mobility verbs to use that resource for. Um, you have that strong and weak attack, um, and there are combos and air attacks that are kind of significant uh, in this game. There's a lot more of, uh, which kind of makes this a weird bridge of Souls liking to to Neo, mm-hmm. in that there there's these kind of combos. Yes. Um, and then the way that they get around uh, the fact that in Dark Souls, like you just kind of run past things, is that your dodge roll will move through enemies um, on this 2D plane. Like you will actually just kind of morph through them. Yes. Um, this doesn't always work. No, but that is that is the idea. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a, a downfall for this game. I think um, it, that gets frustrating to me. Really, it does. And oftentimes, again, when you're dealing with you know several small enemies, rolling past the first couple will just get you in between them, and then all of a sudden you're being knight at the rocks buried, humped yes. from both sides as you're just kind of caught in a stun stun loop until until you die. That accounted outside of the bosses. That accounted for most of my deaths actually mm. was getting getting wedged in between smaller smaller enemies just because i didn't realize i was fat rolling at the time or something like that and uh yeah just not not gauging it properly yeah i, d- I definitely died to that i wouldn't say wouldn't say it was most of my deaths but i i died to that quite a bit yeah um because uh you know and i i don't know how many times this has come up but you know in dark souls the fact that once you get to a boss if you don't want to fight all the enemies on the way there you can run past them Mm -hmm. that's a feature not a bug right you know that's that's not something to be prevented through game design um that's something i think is mandatory to the dark souls kind of enjoyment loop Mm -hmm. and every time we've done a game or a souls like that tries to interfere with that um we kind of run into problems yeah like wait Um, no no play our game play our game please don't run past it (laughs) you know it would no you i mean you have to give me the option to do that and because this might i might end up doing this 10 times right and uh, that becomes a problem in this game. Yeah. Um, some boss runs are actually, I mean, most of the boss runs are actually pretty pretty charitable. They're pretty in- generous with the smaller shrines, actually, Yeah, that are usually somewhat hidden and off to the side, but just put a couple of enemies between you and the boss. But the frustrating thing about those is that one of the kind of rapid prototyping aspects of Souls bosses uh, and Souls-like bosses is the idea of trying new things, mm-hmm. which might mean different loadouts, which might mean that you want to have a real shrine with your full resources right. uh, there. So like these little mini shrines that give you the easy run-up aren't really... I don't really actually know why those exist mm. in this game. I don't know why you wouldn't just give the power of full shrines to to shrines. Yeah. You know? Um, it's like they only had a limited number of them. Mm. So it, it's, a, it's a kindness, but at the same time there were several times where I'd be making a boss run from a small shrine be like, man, I would really like to buy this elemental effect for my weapon. Um, can't do, <laughs> you know, from that, from that small shrine and end up having to do like a larger backtrack that, you know, I would not have had to have done with just a regular, all bonfires are equal. Yeah. Kind of thing. Those elemental effects that you can apply, you know, the, the equivalent of resins in this game um, are incredibly important just because there are oftentimes elemental weaknesses for the, for these bosses that are not effectively signaled outside of either the bestiary or the wiki. Yes. Yeah. This is a, a wiki in hand kind of game uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, um, a lot of the uh, elemental weaknesses, I don't think logically read from looking at a boss. Right. 
and uh, the, the, those resins are just kind of a blanket. Those, you know, like th that is the just use a, a kukri kind of thing. Like, oh, this will be really, really easy as long as you have X number of this item. Yeah, yeah. And even then, like, it doesn't uh, obviate many of the fights. Like, right. the bosses here are fairly tanky mm -hmm. in general, I think. I mean, there are exceptions, and there are also builds where that's not the case. Like, I understand people can speed run this with magic and do it in, yeah, yeah. you know, an hour. Um, but if you're just kind of playing through a normal playthrough, uh, the game, you know, these enemies do have a lot of hit points. So getting that little extra damage doesn't totally make it a joke, but it does make it, it's a, you know, it's a big help. Yeah. So knowing those things. And for me, when I played this, um, that was my first, like if I died to a boss, I'm like, this guy's not taking enough damage. Try to see if I could figure out what his weakness was by thinking about him. <laughs> if I couldn't do that, just look up on the wiki what his weakness is. Yeah. Um, which is just less tedious than just trying a series of successive resin, resins until one of them does a little bit more damage. Right. So. Yeah. It helps that you can see the damage that you're doing as well. Like yeah, that is true. that That is a kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's not a kindness is, boy, oh boy, am I tired of knockback, knockback and stunning. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the knockback in this game is really weird because, uh, again, um, in Souls, it is incredibly intentional when that's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are a couple of areas like uh, Blight, Blight Town, Upper Rafters, things like that, where it's like, OK, if I get knocked backwards or anything like that, I have to be really careful about my footing. Um, this game, I mean, you spend a lot of time on the ground. You also spend a lot of time up on platforms and stuff, though. Mm -hmm. It's a platformer. So the knockback feels more akin to a Castlevania. Yeah. Um, which when an enemy takes, you know, we have to engage with an enemy. It's not just a couple hits like it would be in Castlevania. Uh, it can it can be, you know, less than optimal. I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, it just feels like for, for me, it, again, it felt like it got me into a lot of loops that I didn't feel like I had a lot of chance to get out of. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, that'll <laughs> these games find your weakness, right? Yeah. 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 Um, similar to Dark Souls, you can actually carry a shield um, and also similar to uh, Symphony of the Night, weirdly enough. Um, and this ends up being really, really helpful early in the game. I wasn't sure if that was a function of the way the enemies operated there or if it was just a matter of growing my confidence of going around and navigating and fighting in this in this perspective. But um, knowing when to use your shield and manage your stamina that way ended up being the difference between life and death for a lot of bosses. It's also they introduce uh, very early on um, enemies doing kind of ranged combat to you yeah. while you are fighting close up enemies. And that's mm -hmm. something that Dark Souls does, but it kind of never really lets up. Right. Insult. So I found that to be the most useful kind of uh, you know, use for blocking, even though when I uh, played through this, did my full playthrough of it, um, I did not. I barely ever used a shield. Yeah. Um, I usually would. uh you know, tried to dodge and stuff. And when I played through it my second time, which I didn't end up finishing, spoiler, um, I blocked more. Yeah. Um, pairing, the pairing window is pretty uh, easy, actually, in this game. It's pretty broad, mm -hmm. I find. Um, maybe that's a trick of perspective. Maybe it is, it's actually a wider window. But you can parry in this game, and it's very useful. Um, you do less damage in a repost than you do in Souls, but it's a little bit easier to pull off. And uh, they actually, I think one of the things this game does well is set up an enemy fairly early on that is designed to kind of teach you this. Yes. Um, and they, that's a recurring enemy. You'll run into him uh, again and again. This is the Black Knight equivalent in this game. Uh, but the, uh, you know, it is actually very useful mm -hmm. to parry. So if you, even if you are gun shy about parrying in Dark Souls, 
Um, if you're going to play through salt, I recommend giving it a shot. Yeah. Um, and the way it's set up, you you know, you can do it even without a shield. Like even if you are blocking yeah. with a two-handed item, I ended up actually doing this accidentally a lot. Um, I feel like a real doofus. Like, oh, I just missed your Magoo my way into these mechanics. <laughs> um, but um, but no, like it, it is relatively easy to deploy. It doesn't require a lot of timing. It just requires you to attack out of a block. Yes. At the at the at the right time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and that's something again in Souls. Like you, sometimes you can parry with a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, here you can parry with weapons right. in general. Um. The, another mechanic that they have that's kind of uh, an added mechanic here. Uh, is so you have these three stats: you have health, uh, stamina, and focus, which is essentially your mana. Um, and health uh, and stamina, stamina uh, and focus actually will their maximum will go down as you use them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just want to grab this note from you because uh, it look, it says subject to constant degradation. So it's not like they just drain. Right. Um, it's as you get hit, mm-hmm. uh, they go down. So your maximum health goes down as you get hit, mm-hmm. and this is called wounding. Uh, or fatigue, and uh, you can obviate this with rings and the like, but it kind of just, you know, the longer you spend between between bonfires, the less health you have to work with, kind of no matter how many healing items right. uh, you have. Uh, and this kind of makes sense. There, This kind of takes uh, Dark Souls 2's uh, health system, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the, uh, has, there are health crystals. So uh, you can kind of obviate health if you didn't have a, a maximum that was going down. Right. Um, yeah, so this is, again, just a way to make sure that uh, you are resting and to also kind of add a little bit more. Um, this th- this played in most with the bosses, one partic- you know, one boss in particular, but any of the larger, more tanky, uh, kind, of, kind of more damage spongy bosses ended up um, kind of being a race between how quickly I could do damage to them and how quickly my uh, my wounding would stack up. Yeah. Yeah, this is. I mean, it, I don't. I don't hate this mechanic. I don't. I don't think it adds too much. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't feel I great about it. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not like, oh man, this is awesome. You know, this adds tons of tension and coolness. Like, ah, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it did. It didn't get in the way. Right. Um. You know, but I don't. I don't love it. Yeah. Um. There is a good deal of build variety in the game. Um. Which is which. Which is nice. Uh. Mm-hmm. You know, the the way that you level up, it, you do kind of get locked into something. I could see picking the game up again and then going for like a magic build, which I didn't really play with at all, or, you know, focusing on some of the more dex based weapons. Like all of those appear to be viable. I've seen videos of them as they as they go along um, and they're available to you because you have, you know, these different kinds of armor, several different weapon classes and um, more rings than Steven Tyler and also more charms than Johnny yes. Depp. Yeah. Yeah. And we and we will talk about charms <laughs> in, in a second because that's a new New kind of mechanic that I think is actually kind of neat. Yeah. Um, the uh, so I uh, you know this will this will be my time when I disclose this. I played this when it came out to completion. Um, attempted to replay it for the show this time, and I don't like this game that much. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't finish it. So if anybody wants to you know make me turn in my half of the amulet, um, <laughs> for that I will. Uh, but um, I just wasn't having fun, and I'm like, well, life is short. Yeah. Um, um on that second run through, I did uh three run ups to it. Um, I started with a magic build okay, and I found magic to be really, really underpowered, at least in the early game. Uh, it, it's supposed to get pretty OP. Mm-hmm. There's a way to make it OP early by taking uh, like the Amber Idol as your gift. Right. And you kind of craft yourself a, a Drake sword, essentially, mm-hmm. that you can use for a while. Um, I didn't do that. So it was very hard. 
and then uh, attempted like the hunter like dex kind of ranged combat build and also had a really hard time hmm. um, with just specific enemies that were not dying fast enough yeah yeah that's always um, because the problem the, with those <laughs> kind of kind of the poise and uh, you know enemies i couldn't stun by hitting them um you know i would hit them and they would just continue moving forward move through me uh, from like a 45 degree angle up because it's a 3d you know because they can come from any angle um and that ended up being too frustrating so when i tried again for the third time and got the furthest i just went back to a strength build right which right. was by far the easiest yes so like it, it does respect build variety uh a strength uh build is still kind of easy mode right and some of that variety is really obviated by the way that you level up in this game mm-hmm. um because uh, since they are on these different, it's it's clearly inspired by the sphere grid from uh, Final Fantasy X. Right. And the uh, it is a linear path. Um, so what I wanted to, like I wanted to make something that I consider to be very simple and would have taken insane stat investment, which is somebody who used light armor but a heavy weapon. You know, that's what I use do for a lot of Dark Souls builds. Like I want a fast roll, but I want to use a gigantic fuck off weapon mm-hmm. and kind of make a glass cannon that's really hard to do in salt hmm. because the light armor proficiencies are away on the other side of the board from the heavy weapon proficiencies. And it's one of, uh, one of the many areas of this game, I think that looks neat initially, but actually kind of falls down is the way that you level up. I don't see the reason why you are shunted into these kind of classes through this, uh, through this thing. I think it gives you kind of less choice and variety in your build than you otherwise would have. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're spending these black pearls that you get by turning in your salt at the, uh, the sanctuaries and using those to kind of place them on this grid to build out. Um, You can kind of see at the periphery, you have these brass rings that you're going to be going for the highest classes of particular weapon types Um, down in the magic. You have all of the, uh, the different, um kind of i forget what they call them here but just the spells that you can go for yes. um and you are kind of slotting these black pearls in uh in, you know in nodes that kind of just stat you up in particular uh in, in particular uh stats sorry i'm speaking in circles in no it's sense. okay stat you up in stats <laughs> stat, stat you up in stats um yeah. and you know like you, you do that to build up to you know these kind of bigger nodes that will give you the particular abilities um this is as opposed to the more free-floating like hey you just have a stat point to put in and that is going to just uh you know unlock particular weapons or skills as you go along as you meet the requirements it, it should be no, like on um, both those times you said abilities and skills. Yeah. Um, it should be noted that that's not like new verbs unless you're a caster. Right. So those abilities are going towards unless you're a caster, you're just moving towards proficiencies in armor or weapons. Mm-hmm. And this is also something that I think this really falls down is that uh, you get one of those things. They give you a stat bonus when you pick up like level two great swords or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get that stat way before you ever find a level two great sword. Yeah. Like hours before. Um this whole thing, I think, is really inelegant. Uh, the the combat, the way that the skill tree works with how loot is laid out in the game, mm-hmm. uh, do not complement one another. And I don't see the reason for shunting you into those kind of paths, those branches like that. Um, what the game gains by that, yeah. like it is a pretty presentation that looks neat on the surface, but is actually literally just you choosing stats. Like it's kind of boring. Yeah. Um, you know, it just looks neat. Yeah. And it, it suggests a complexity and kind of a freedom that doesn't uh, 
isn't really there. Yeah. You know? Particularly for the for the weapon skills, what that is doing is simplifying stat requirements. So instead of saying, hey, you need to have 14 decks to use this weapon, what it'll say is, oh, this is a class two sword. You need to have leveled up far enough to get to, you know, the class, the, the class two swords for this. And on the strength side of things, like those skills will say, okay, now you can one hand class three swords, but you can two hand class two swords. Yes. Like, like <laughs> this is an incredibly, com- incredibly complex way to get around the way, you know, the way that, uh, you know, certain, certain weapons are gated away from you by your stats. And, and, and that's, you know, would be fine if it was presented in a freer kind of form. Like this is also how they gate how many Estes you can have. Yes. Um, is also through this board, um, cause they want to space those out, uh, you know, and make it a thing you can prioritize, which is fine. Um, but just the the fact that making a heavy weapons light armor, who could wear better light armor than class one, mm-hmm. was so difficult was really frustrating to me. Or like if I wanted to have a crossbow mm-hmm. and, and a gigantic sword, like what what's so weird about, you know, why is that? Why should that require like a multi-class investment yeah. in this kind of game? It's just not very free. So there is a great variety, but it requires such huge investment to do anything that doesn't uh, just kind of shunt into Heavy weapons fighter, light weapons fighter, faith caster, magic caster. Yeah. You know, those are really the four kind of ways it wants you to go. Yeah. And um, your starting class mostly determines, A, the gear that you begin with, which can be important, uh, and also which part of the board you start on, much like the sphere the sphere grid itself. Yeah. 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 You've, you have uh, one to two skills already chosen, yeah. depending on your class. So I just, I think this is a missed opportunity, yeah. um, you know, for something that like legitimately could be kind of cool. Uh, but ends up being kind of having less depth than initially it looks like it has. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, you know, you uh, level at sanctuaries. We'll talk about sanctuaries for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, these are your bonfires, but they're kind of bonfires plus. This is one of the cool things yes. about this game. I really like the way this works. Yeah. Um, because you kind of create like little mini majulas. <laughs> the mini majulas. Yeah. Yeah. Mini majulas. Just look at it. It's it's in a snow globe. Yeah. Except instead yeah. of snow, it's ash. Boy, I would I would uh, love a little Majula snow globe. To Etsy, they should sell that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> be very cute. I wonder, man. I wonder how you make a snow globe. And you you turn it like a music box, and it plays the little like chime, like it plays the theme. Oh shit, that'd be, that'd be yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, no, but we instead have... we're too busy with shirts that say "I don't need sex, I get fucked by Dark Souls every day." <laughs> So from is that a serious to, shirt? Yeah, man. Oh, God. I, I don't think it's official. I don't think it's actually from Dark Souls <laughs> okay. or like from From or Namco. I think right. it's a, you know, it's a knockoff shirt. But that is a shirt that I have seen in this this year. Yeah, in, in this in, in this fucking nightmare planet that we live on. Yeah. The, but I mean, I could just and we, we you know, we talked about uh, like little stuffed versions of the uh, little lava bugs from uh-huh. uh, Tutu. Like we could we could make much better merch if like from our namco would hire us hey like dark souls fans do not want shirts that talk about how hard dark souls is they want cool cute little references and majula snow globes (laughs) they want snow globes for the least popular game in the series gary listen to us (laughs) gary i think it's just that we're lame I think it's that we're cool and they're lame. Cool. Okay. All right. All I right. like the. Uh, I don't think yeah. that we're in that. That. No. You know, that, that, I mean, that. 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 That reality feels better. So I will. I will live in it. That's fine. I, I don't. I don't think that there's an objective truth that wearing a shirt that says "I don't need sex," I get <laughs> fucked by Dark Souls every day, uh, is somehow cooler than literally anything. <laughs> like that's the bottom of. Cool. I, I guess. I guess what I was saying is like when we're making the pitch, uh, do not lead with snow globes. 
Okay. The the, the noted the noted collectible of of of, virg- of virgins uh, and shut ins. <laughs> this uh, this generation, the cool. All the kids are talking about snow globes. Um, because the, uh, they, yeah. because it's how they smuggle Molly. That's a powder, yeah, right? They, they very well could. The um, I will lead with the the uh, stuffed animal lava bugs though. Okay. Because I think that's gold, and even just a little stuffed Sigurd would be great. Oh yeah. More more plush Sigurd. Le- uh, you mean Sigmire? do yeah. <laughs> okay. i know i'm so tempted to ask you to put in a marker but i'm not gonna do it because it's <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, it'd be silly but i'm so tempted to actually edit that out uh, <laughs> i would have uh, i would have forgotten it <laughs> if uh if being it. so to be totally fair yeah uh i was i and i have a google window uh-huh. where i was looking at dark soul shirts and or looking at an image did an image search and somebody drew a picture of secret with a shirt Mm. And it has secret. So I was looking at like I was reading the word mm, and yeah. said it out loud. It was one okay. of those things. Yeah, yeah. You you, you Kaiser Sozade yourself. I Kaiser Sozade myself. Yeah, you know? yeah. But Seek Meyer is what I want a stuff version of. And I would know. Well, like, there's people no difference. think I wouldn't know which one. Well, that, no. <laughs> I would know. And I would rip the head off of that secret. <laughs> oh, uh, I would I would wipe my boot with it. <laughs> You're... Um, that's right. Now, I don't want to get shit on my toy. That's gross. Right, but right. My... Yeah. No, just just get those dead leaves off of there. Yeah, it's um, yeah. This sounds like something fan gamer would do, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> but just a fan gamer is doing better work than the Namco as far as marketing, of course. Even though that, like, I got that little cute hunter doll. They made oh, yeah. they made a cute little Bloodborne guy. Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw that. It was uh, I I have no no place for stuff stuff. So he's real cute. Yeah. No, I, I I'm. Did you get him? Is it good? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's high quality and cute. I'm happy that you like it. Um, let's talk more about uh, sanctuaries here. Yes. So the sanctuaries, you know, you can roll up. Some of them are not assigned any particular uh, creed. These are like your uh, covenants. Um, and you can place your icon down. Um, sanctuaries that are of your creed allow you to kind of make these offerings of stone idols in order to kind of like basically provide yourself with amenities, um, including like merchants or uh, upgrade stations, blacksmiths. Uh, all the way up to like fast travel. Yes. Yeah. Um, you populate them. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of neat. Um, we, we mentioned creeds and we, we kind of call them covenants, but they're more than covenants. Mm-hmm. And this, you can do a lot more kind of with them. Um, this is actually one of the few areas of this game. I think is kind of an unqualified success. Yeah. Um, I think creeds and sanctuaries are pretty neat. So, um, you know, you, you populate your little town and you join creeds, uh, here, which are the religions, uh, in this world. And they do a couple things. Um, they determine your your loadout, like uh, your Estus can kind of have some little quirks, mm-hmm. how it works. Um, your Estus is dependent on your creed. Um, you can get uh, different things sold by you know merchants of that creed, uh, different kinds of uh, things fashioned by the blacksmiths of that creed. Mm-hmm. And then kind of most importantly is you can do work for that creed, which this part I don't like because it's, you it's know. It's just fetch quest kind of stuff. It's just fetch quest bullshit. But, you know, enemies drop, drop vendor trash. If you turn in certain numbers of that, you can have items that kind of respawn Momodora style. Yeah. So you can say like every time I rest at the sanctuary, I'm going to get three, you know, fire resins. Uh, and you'll always have that uh, because you did this like work for the creed. Um, I'll be deep in the fucking cold ground before I go farm something like this. Mm-hmm. But, but if you check it and see that, yes. you, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm never going to grind up devotion in this thing. Uh, but if you check it, you, you know, just naturally, you're probably going to get a couple of ranks in this and you can get a couple mm-hmm. bonuses. Yeah. And that upgrades your merchants, upgrades your blacksmiths, just makes uh, life a little bit easier for you by increasing your possibility space from a particular shrine. 
Yeah. Um, the creeds roughly map onto different kinds of builds or playstyles. Right. And uh, there are only three available from the beginning of the game. Uh, then you get one uh, about an hour and a half in, mm-hmm. and then the rest are like super hidden at the end of the game. Right. I, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but the um, and one of one of the ones that's really hidden at the end of the game is the caster one. So that mm-hmm. seems like a real fuck you uh, to me. I don't. I have no idea why there's a caster creed available right. right from the top. But they roughly map on a different play style. So like things like this is the uh, the ranged combat kind of decks. These are the heavy weapons guys. This is the faith. I guess you do get a faith covenant right away. You don't get a mage right. covenant right away. Um, and then uh, the hidden ones are kind of, other than the magic one, are kind of different. Uh, the yeah. evil one is hidden and a weird money-based one yes. is hidden. Yes, the uh, the like the, the cult of the splendor or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like those guys. Like those guys a lot. but yeah like this is like this is great and you have a little weapon that will cleanse another shrine of a different of a different creed so you know you don't join them you just kind of take it over and set it up i was a member of the iron ones i think is the name of it Mm -hmm. and so uh the background of my shrine was just decorated with iron thrones all the time yeah yeah it actually changed things changes things visually as well it's kind of a nice touch Yeah. yeah um a little pro tip uh the there are idols that let you uh, guides, which allow you teleport. Mm-hmm. So you, if you just build up one Majula, you can always teleport back to it for free if you put guides yeah. in places. It, I think that like actually ties into a larger problem with the world structure of this game. Yeah. Uh, in that I think that similar to Dark Souls 2, it's possible that the ease of teleporting you can do was added in later. Yeah. Because there are a lot of shortcuts in this game that are pointless as fuck. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's doing this thing that um, you know, Dark Souls 2 does, and we saw a little bit in Bloodborne, where it's trading on the kind of good feeling you get from a shortcut mm-hmm. with no reason to ever use it. Right. No, uh, nobody is ever going to go from Hager's Cavern to the Sunken Keep. In a million years. Right. Like, why would you ever use that thing? And they almost always go backwards. Mm-hmm. Not always, but almost always go backwards. So there's not like a sequence breaking aspect of them either. You don't uh, go. Sometimes they will go forward, but then you just run into a locked gate that's locked from the other side. Yeah. So there's not a lot of point to the way this this is an interconnected world. Mm-hmm. Um, it can feel kind of neat again when you find this. Oh, this opens back up into here. Mm-hmm. But if you have no reason reason to ever revisit there. um you know, and when revisiting there is is as easy as going to a guide and then getting to a getting to a sanctuary yes. that's there. Yeah, if you ever need to, you can just teleport there. Yeah, um, but you probably never need to. You know, unless you're like if you're playing very completionist, like you might want to go back. But it's slightly, it's like fairly linear for a for kind of a Metroidvania. Yeah, um, there are a couple of branching paths, but for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. and I think this game may have been better off with a like stage structure yeah like a order of ecclesia kind of thing yeah especially over at the uh over on the east side the right side of the map where you have a place like the uh the red hall of cages of the ruined temple where most of the things that you're unlocking are just direct through lines that let you cross over um from one to the other in a very direct kind of way um it definitely belies uh, a, a design that was not made with uh with teleportation in mind yeah yeah but you know but like that is that that is kind of like one of the biggest pro tips i can offer for the game is do not be stingy with your with your stone guides there's one in almost every area um and uh, there might be enough i think for pretty much every shrine in the game at least all the ones that are unclaimed yes yeah so so go for it 
Um, uh, like we said, your Estus replacement um, changes depending on the creed uh, of the sanctuary that you last rested at. I wasn't aware of any kind of mechanical difference or I couldn't observe any because I was in, you know, the the, the mountain ones or whatever. I was mostly rolling, uh, rolling around with a roll on my belt. <laughs> yeah, they, they just eat bread, which is pretty charming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like that a little bit. It's not like a fancy, fancy thing. Yeah. Um, they they do make a difference. Um, <laughs> but you're not really encouraged to switch covenants if you are fine with any of those opening three, mm-hmm. um, because there is a sin mechanic, um, from switching them, and you do lose all that progress. Right. You made so all that devotion you used. So it's again kind of weird. Like yeah. I don't, you know, but like I, I, I found that I would pick up, I would end up with another, another covenants, uh, Estus because I rested at their sanctuary. Like, okay, so this yeah. is going to be a base for me, but it still functions like a bonfire. Yes. And it does switch out your item. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you still do get them. Um, I think that, uh, the one, and th- I could be wrong about this. I think the one for the faith build is good because it gives you a little bit of damage resistance hmm. for a short time after you use it. Um, but they do little, little things like that, like little minor perks that are not totally insignificant, but also aren't going to break the game. Yeah. Um, don't let it sway you pretty much just do the one that corresponds to your build. And honestly, uh, you can get away with the entire game of not really paying attention to this other than just plopping down merchants and and guides and be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so you don't really have to go in deep with this, uh, this covenant thing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, I, I have this note later, but we can address it now. There is an idol you can drop called the Stone Sellsword that will um, allow you to do co-op. However, that is couch only co-op. local co-op. Yeah. Yes. Only couch co-op, which is kind of a bummer. Yep. Um, because what's that person doing up until that point? <laughs> you know, it's like they're just literally watching you play and then like waiting for you to drop. You know, the way that co- co-op works in these games, like you do it to get past stress points usually. Mm-hmm. Um, like you might want to play the whole game co-op if you have enough of those idols. But for the most part, you want to like I'm having a hard time with this boss. Right, right. And this uh, limiting that to couch play doesn't really complement that very well. You know? Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, you also get this vendor trash. Uh, in addition to being a, a thing to upgrade your covenant, um, it's also how you use upgrade material. Right. Um, and these are explicitly memories. There's a little lore note about the blacksmith taking memories and turning them to power up your weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so little, little notes, poems. Uh, locks of hair things like that king's um, orders yeah king's orders is a really high one you you just find them and mm-hmm. um, they're just around um it's a it's a high level treasure uh i don't think you have to do very much kind of grinding for this either i think you'll just kind of playing naturally you'll find enough yeah there are places you can farm for them like i i see that peppered all over the wiki um yeah but yeah they're there uh speaking of grinding and farming and stuff like that um something we forgot to mention those different idols that you put out actually affect the the area around them or the oh uh, yeah the, 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 the zone that they're bonuses. in yes passive bonuses you know so like the stone guide will increase your item drop um uh, which is which is another good reason to use that um at most of the shrines that you're going to be in yeah yeah yep yep yeah, but you want to um, you want to upgrade your weapons for all the same reasons that you upgrade your weapons in any Souls game, um, just because that will often make the difference, um, or you know <laughs> that that will often be what pushes you over the edge for beating a boss or getting through an area. Yeah, 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 and those vary wildly in how good they are. Yeah, those little bonuses, like you know, benefit to to shield blocking if you're not doing a shield build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really help. Um, so let's this is going to be kind of a big one. Um, let's talk about navigation. Yes. In this game. Um, this is a, this is a serious problem uh, in this game, I think. Yeah. And lots of reasons why. Um, so they could have obviated this with a map. Every game that takes the Castlevania side of this uh, kind of equation has a map. You know, the, the castle, the Igavania is that they um, 
they said as an influence, they use maps. Um, there's a reason mm-hmm. uh, why those use maps. And there's a reason why Dark Souls doesn't need a map. Mm-hmm. And this does. Um, kind, of, kind of two reasons that tie into one that's just a function of the perspective, one that's a function of the flaw of the, ga- flaw of the game's design. Right. Um, the perspective thing is that in Dark Souls, you can be out and about and uh, you're in this gigantic forest or whatever, um, but you know you're heading towards this windmill. And you can always see that windmill on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to see like a large portion of things. You can be on a hill and look down and see the whole level. Um, a side-scrolling view means you can see you know 20 feet at any given time. So you have no sense of perspective of where you're at in relation to other things other than like a mental map you've made. Mm-hmm. Um, that side view really kind of kills this. Like it, it makes it really, really hard uh, to get a sense, get your bearings, yes. you know? Um, and this is like really compounded by another problem is that this is a really, really, really monotonous looking game. Yeah. Um, everything has this kind of gray fog filter over it. Areas look the same. There are lots of areas Within in an area, um, there are a few, very few landmarks. You know, every once in a while there's a little trash. Like there's like a, here's a table and a couple chairs. Right. But there aren't like kind of the, you know, the kind of like things that are going to stand out that you can be like, okay, this is this part of Hagger's Cavern. This is another part of Hagger's Cavern because this one has the laughing statue and this one has the weeping gargoyle. <laughs> um, that's not a thing here. Right. It looks samey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets maddening. <laughs> like I find it really, really frustrating. And and I, I know I'm talking for a long time, Cole. I'll give you a chance to add to this. I apologize. Another thing that's really frustrating though, and we talked about this in the Symphony of the Night thing, is another function that map gives you is that it lets you know what you've already explored and what you haven't. Yes. So when you get to somewhere like Hagger's Cavern, if you don't want to just make a beeline to the boss, you want to check everything out, mm-hmm. uh, not being able to have a sense of where you're at, not being able to tell the difference between two areas glancing at them becomes really frustrating without this kind of checklist of what you've already done. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times something would look kind of new because I didn't remember it because it looks exactly the same. Or you, came, climb you came at it from a different place too. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like you could, and, and I would climb up there and just nothing there. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's really close to a fatal flaw, I think in this mm-hmm. game. Like it, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you can still get through it, but it never didn't bother me. Yeah. Um, so th- the lack of a map, I think, I think it is a problem just because this, this does need to lean more on the Castlevania side of the appeal than the Dark Souls side. So like not having a map, I can see an argument for, okay, we want to build a sense of mystery. We want to have you, you know, we want to foster that sense of like uh, wonderment when you break through into a new area and then slowly realize as you're going like, oh, I've been here before. This is this is that door I couldn't open. Like that is a that th- that is a good and fun feeling that, you know, is a key to especially like the Dark Souls one and maybe a little bit of the, of the Bloodborne philosophy of level design. Right. Um, mm-hmm. However, you're absolutely right. When you're able to control the camera, when you're able to see great distances because you are effectively looking at it from your character's uh, perspective, you know, like not having a map makes a lot more sense as opposed to this thing, which is a grid where, you know, assets are being placed and, you know, you know, it's a, it, it's asking you to kind of like check all of these edges without any sense of where you've been and where you haven't been. So like the addition of teleportation and, you know, the fact that stumbling back and finding these old areas is not, 
you know, mechanically significant in a way that it would be um, in in something that is from a different perspective. Um, definitely mean he definitely makes it so like a map would be inc- you know incredibly useful. I think that they lose more by not having it than they than, than they gain. the The visual monotony doesn't bother me as much as it bothered you. I don't think. Again, that could just be down to down to taste. I could have latched on to you know particular things. I could have you know a number of things. But you're you're absolutely right. There is that level of confusion, especially when you're coming at uh, an old area from a different perspective or running from uh, from a different sanctuary etc and down the line where it does get in the way and actually makes getting around this world i think a little bit less joyful than it ought to be because i like um, platformers i like this kind of thing i actually like the platforming too and i like the way it feels to move around in this game especially when you get these kind of extra abilities um are actually incredibly neat i just think that this and you know this is i'm not trying to i'm I'm just waiting i you know the argument the man you argue with your head Twenty four seven that doesn't exist. Right. Um, I'm just waiting for someone to call me out for saying this is an excuse too many times. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's colorblindness aspects to this too. It's possible. Where like there's some of these browns are actually gray, yeah. you know, or some of these grays are actually brown, and I just can't tell the difference. It, it, it is something that I like about uh, about the game is that even though the colors are very muted, the atmosphere often takes on often takes on a different uh, kind of pallor or tint to it. So like I can tell by looking at a particular uh, screenshot which area of the game it's in by the character of the light and you know by some of the background details and stuff. I, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at on the wiki the locations page where it has a thumbnail mm-hmm. for all the locations, and they all have this overwhelming gray fog over them. Oh, wow. like it's it's almost you know, and, and you can you can look at the page. Like I, I just feel like they're really really samey. Yeah, there is a difference. There are and there are a couple of exceptions, but part of this is a function of uh, you know there's just being too many, and this happens in Souls too. Lest anybody think I'm just speaking on this game, like mm-hmm. a few too many castles, a few too many caverns. Oh yeah, um, you know. Uh, but there is just an element of like everything being washed out. Yeah, everything it's, being it's this a very foggy, it's a very oppressive atmosphere. It's a very desaturated game. Uh, I and, you know I as as somebody who uh, has close to a full spectrum of color or vision, I would totally be willing to believe that that is contributing a little bit to this for you. It might be like because color values are a thing that I can tell apart more than the actual color a lot of the time. Yeah. Or like tint, you know, a tint versus shade kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, or the level of saturation. That's like a, a, a real thing for me. But um, I also think that there's a little bit of truth to the fact that this is, even if you if you don't think of it in terms of just being able to tell them apart, um, think about like the best Souls games and how an area will be like a 180. Mm-hmm. Like think about how uh, crisp and kind of clean like the Grand Archives look, mm-hmm. you know, versus uh, like uh, uh, Farron's Keep. You know, everything here is dark and gloomy and foggy. There's very little dynamic range between them. And that atmosphere thing, which initially feels a lot like a strength, I just got so sick of. Yep. You know, there's no, you know, one of the things that we praise Dark Souls 2 for is that it had the courage to be kind of pretty sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not, there's not even, there's none of that in here. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's no variety to the kind of the, what we're dealing with yeah. kind of visually here. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that bums me out. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it's, it, it's not, it, it doesn't read as a problem of, you know, aptitude. It feels like just a choice that they made, you know, to give this a particular visual style that just does, just doesn't work for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it did impact my ability to like navigate. Like yeah. it wasn't just an aesthetic thing. It also made it 
harder for me to engage in the game systems. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's both. Like it's an aesthetic choice I think is kind of odious. Um, and then it is also something that made it harder for me to play. Yeah. You know, both of which are, you know, both of which are valid, both of which also are subjective. Like maybe that didn't, wasn't a thing for you or anyone listening, but for me, that was a kind of a double strike and it kind of comes to a general aesthetic sense of this game. Like this game is kind of classless in its aesthetics Hmm. in a way that I, I really dislike. I don't like the way the characters look. I don't really like the way the enemies are designed. I think they animate pretty badly. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah. 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 Uh, we already talked about the, about the short shortcuts. Um, it's and more... sometimes you've got to note here, sometimes they are good for like boss runs. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like inner like... area, a shortcut within an area is actually very useful. The shortcuts that go to other areas are not. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. The, the shortcuts within within an area, uh, like th- those are as good as they've been in Dark Souls. Like they are they're functional. Uh, it is mm-hmm. it feels great when you find them, especially yes. in some of the more odious areas. Um, you know, and they're not always like um, <laughs> they're 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 not always just like something that you unlock. Sometimes it is a realization that if you take a leap of faith here, you're going to be able to get to a place like they're designed mm-hmm. as as though this is a platformer, which it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so inner zone connections, again, we talked about those being a little bit goofy, vestigial. Um, the story here is pretty neat. Um, I, I, I like it. I like the way that it pays off. You know, it, uh, this is a very souls like thing. It's told through item descriptions. Um, uh, there's a bestiary where different enemies will, uh, you know, give some flavor text to them. And most of the, uh, NPCs that you're going to meet are confused. Uh, it, it kind of feels like they've recently suffered a blow to the head and they speak entirely in elliptical dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and these aren't uh the NPCs don't have quests the same way that souls npcs might no. you just need to talk to them every time you run into them yeah uh, because they don't really serve individual stories they are not short stories um there aren't really short stories in this game there are little snippets of larger stories that are made to this pastiche because you're on a haunted island that collects people's memories yes um kind of thing which i also think is pretty neat yeah um i have you know an imperfect understanding of the lore of this stuff um and we're not going to stop and just kind of say everything there is to say about all of these people it's very much i think intentionally um a way to they try to ape the kind of dark soul storytelling mm-hmm. um if you are looking for this some external reading uh somebody has done um, a guy named uh, suko 13 did a uh kind of ebook similar to the pale blood hunt mm. um called the drowned tome that is uh, his or her at- or their attempt to uh, create like the definitive Salt and Sanctuary lore guide. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, I started reading it. I, like I like the the lore in this game, but I don't. It doesn't uh, doesn't drive me to like read a book on it. Right. So like I I am not going to keep reading it. But if this is something that lights your fire, like mm-hmm. somebody has done the work, which is really cool. You know, for the it's good on them and and good for you, I guess. Yes. Yeah, um, and we're getting into the kind of disclaimer part of this, uh, which is we're taking a more zoomed out approach to this. We're covering Salt and Sanctuary over the course of three episodes, as opposed to looking at it over the course of an entire season. Um, so there are going to be some interactions, there are going to be some you know story beats uh, and world building things that we're just going to kind of miss in service of you know talking about the game in broader strokes. Yes. Um, and I think that that's a, a broader thing that's going to apply to uh, whatever this kind of amorphous season is. Yes. The games we and, do in this. Um, and it has know, came, so far. It has yeah. and, and will continue to. So um, in some of those games, it's because the game maybe didn't support it. Sometimes it's because the game uh, looks like Momodo 4, which also had 
you know, these little stories behind each boss. They gated that behind kind of perfect play. Um, you know, so it was kind of hostile to get that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I want to say, I think that um, I'm cooler on this game than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us are totally in love with it. I think no, that's fair I, to say. I had a lot of problems. Uh, this was this was a very difficult uh, kind of couple weeks playing this so, for me. Actually, so we both both of us don't love it. Um, something that I want to put out there, uh, just so people know, is that like if you think about um, how much like interesting kind of passion it would take to start this show, and I'm not saying that as a pat on my back because it's like I could have been learning to different languages you know mm-hmm. it's uh but like something like we obviously both really love dark souls and thus we made bonfire side chat mm-hmm. um that love does not necessarily transfer to any of these things that are not dark souls right um so it doesn't mean that they're not necessarily worth it you know so you can love this as much as you want it does have that kind of lore and stuff i don't know how much i can speak for cole but speaking for myself like i'm just not as interested in doing as deep a dive on it you know, so it's worth talking about because it is part of the Dark Souls legacy, you know, whether those those people, you know, the people who made it would like to be kind of lumped in with that or not. Mm-hmm. It is like this is part of Dark Souls' legacy worth us talking about. But I'm I just can't bring myself to do as deep a dive on it because yeah. I quite honestly like just don't think it it is as good. You know, like for me, it just doesn't it's like it's rich, but it's not as interesting. You know, like uh, I think that there's a zero punctuation review of it and he was really, really positive on it. But he said it it's like Dark Souls where everything has a dumber name. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty much true. Like the names of all these things suck. Uh, you know, like the, the evocative factor, the kind of like cool factor is in the grand story. But there's like a level of detail that's just not cool and weird. Yeah. You know, and that, that extends to monster designs, extends to boss designs for me. Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple of them that are cool, but for the most part, it's all pretty bland. Yeah. You know, and and uh it's just very, very hard for me to get passionate about this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. The, the in looking at this, I made I made an attempt to kind of like give it the level of detective work that I would normally give uh, something that a mainline Dark Souls like looking for the connections and reading every item description and you know trying to find themes or central characters. A lot of it is just very disconnected uh, kind of stuff, which is fine on its own, but you know it's pursuing it would be like finding a whole bunch of like little dead ends when it doesn't add up to much you know much that adds to the greater discussion i I think so too and to be fair like the game squares that circle Mm -hmm. because the reason why there are all those dead ends is because of the nature of this island and the nature of the the conflict and again i think we both think that's really pretty cool Mm -hmm. um when i started figuring out what was going on in this game uh, I was pretty into it. Yeah. And, you know, I, like a lot of that is handled through dialogue. It is people, you know, not so much telling short stories about themselves or you participating in their short stories, but providing a different kind of interpretation of these areas that you're going through saying, hey, I recognize this from my earlier travels or why is this here when it should be there? Yes. Yeah. And and so it's it's kind of like a, a tone or kind of like what's missing Yeah, here that kind of gives you that stuff. Whereas the individual things like as much I might want to know a lot about Kareem. Mm-hmm. in dark souls uh that universe i don't really care about the area that the red hall of cages came from right you know that came from another land i don't i don't need to know the history of that like i just i don't have that that desire to make that extra step and this is you know it has applied to souls likes it will apply to souls likes like i'm playing neo now and it makes me think of that a lot too like yeah. regardless of how we cover that whether it's like one episode or two or three mm-hmm. um i can't imagine us just going deep on the the history of hattori hanzo Right, because you know, or like he's like an actual of, real ass person. The parade of cameos that that game rests its lore on. Yeah, um, I can't imagine. Like, I'm just, I'm just not interested enough. 
you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, I don't feel like that's a, you know, part of me was like, oh, you know, we do bonfire side chat where the souls guys, we have a responsibility to do this. And like, I want to cover every souls game like that, <laughs> but every game that takes inspiration from dark souls, like is not dark souls and doesn't, it needs to earn it on its own terms as opposed to, you know, having a referent that we enjoy. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, uh, having a referent I enjoy is a, is a really good way to put what I think about Salton Sanctuary. Yeah. Um, has a referent I enjoy. <laughs> um, it's also, and I'll, I'll throw this out there too. The fact that I got so frustrated that I stopped playing, mm-hmm. uh, the second playthrough, um, means that some of my memory is not super great. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely, pl- you know, I played through it when it came out, I missed one of the optional areas and that kind of plays into this. Like, I don't really feel like I, like I'm obligated to give this the entire like dark souls, like exhaustive front to back treatment. Yeah. You know, the same way I might with, you know, with a dark souls yeah. game. Well, I got you. I got you fam. Like I yeah. played through this here, you know, about like a week ago, you know, like that, that that's when I finished it up. Um, and I've taken notes here and kind of given it at least like the watch out for fireballs depth of you know, yeah. kind of treatment. Um, I played this a little bit back when it came out, um, but it took them uh, adding interface zoom for it to be playable on my television. So that's that's why it kind of like took back burner until until today. Yeah. And, and I'm very specifically not whole like that was a problem when i played it too but i'm not holding it against it oh no no yeah. like i like that they've actually improved this a bit since the first time i played it yeah um and that second time i played it like i got you know a decent third through the game mm-hmm. uh, multiple times i just got pissed i don't know mm-hmm. life is short um <laughs> you know new new gary quits games when when i don't when i'm not having fun yeah you know if like if, it, if it's just like man i, I and also i've already done it yeah. Uh, so, so like that i mean that's the other big thing yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the art style. I've already kind of said my piece on it. I don't yeah. want to make that be the monolithic presentation of the network because it sounds like you're more positive on it than I am. Yeah, I'm pretty positive on it. Um, I like the um, I like that everything is hand drawn. That is something that is very rare. Um, and I just again I, I need to be wary because the fact that this was made by two people is very impressive. I think that like it does look enough of a piece with itself that like it does feel like a big coherent piece of work, and it's impressive that you know, a single person drew all of this stuff, did the designs for the enemies. Some of the bosses are, you know, especially are especially great. Uh, there are things that make this a problem, like the fact that it is kind of hand drawn and, uh, you know, sketchy is the wrong word, but it kind of gets closest to it, which is spotting things against the background, especially behind the hazy atmospheric effects uh, that go on, um, spotting items on the ground, things like that. If something isn't glowing, it's easy for it to kind of fall into this, you know, flat morass. So the hand-drawn aspect of this does get in the way just a little bit. Um, also the fact that larger enemies and even your, you know, your character himself, by virtue of the fact that the, that the, that these are hand-drawn, but they're not, they're not cell animated. Um, everything kind of has, um, a little bit of a, a flash or after effects animation style where things are rigged up like puppets. Um, and that actually gets in the way a little bit for me of being able to watch and interpret, uh, enemies attack patterns just because they are going to be tweening between different things as opposed to like striking particular like anticipation poses before they before they get ready to do stuff so that gets in the way a little bit like i think in still if you can ignore your character's head and face um this game does look pretty good to me um but yeah it does it does end up getting in the way of the mechanics just a little bit they look like um if you don't know what we're talking about with the animation um 
if you've ever played any of the scribble knots games yeah they move like the scribble knots kid um, <laughs> where their where their arm you know their shoulder joints just kind of swing you know like in the, in this way like they move just on that joint mm-hmm. in a weird way and the it's not just your your character it's any npc you run into that's human yeah yeah because um, they use they the look, same the same parts and kits and stuff i don't even really know how to describe what they're going for with the way people look yeah in this game but it's it's pretty it's pretty rough yeah. um it's like a it's like a bad flash animation or a bad web comic mm-hmm. um the eyes are like really really far apart you know it, yeah. it's just it's just a really weird style mm-hmm. um that i don't think does it a whole lot of favors and yeah. the other kind of problems i already mentioned so yeah. spend too much more time on it enemies look pretty good i like the enemy designs i think the enemy designs are stronger than the boss designs for the most part mm-hmm. um like there are some that are like kind of no great shakes uh but there are a couple cool things I like the floating eyeball guys <laughs> there are a couple <laughs> things that look neat yeah. Um, you know, the bosses run together for me a lot. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we go. I think that is a general problem that permeates kind of the whole game, but is something that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about more when it comes up is that it's very hard. And some of this is just that it's Dark Souls with worse names thing, <laughs> but it's very hard for me to. There are a lot of areas in this game and there are a lot of bosses. So many bosses. And it's really hard is is which giant guy with a, a big sword is this you know is it the this nonsense phrase or the this nonsense phrase none of these guys they have like kind of paragraph stories you can find mm-hmm. but none of them have that kind of like uh kind of idolic power that a dark souls boss has mm-hmm. where you do the thing you know and we talked about this in the end of the dark souls 3 season where it's like you spend the level going through them learning about them you know this is their domain uh this entire level speaks to this character mm-hmm and then you get there and it's like, wow, this guy makes sense. I've been reading about them. I've been seeing their their agents. I've been learning about them. Here they are. Uh, yeah. This game whiffs on that pretty hard. Yeah. Like here's a ghost pirate at the end of a dumb cavern. There were there were crab monsters there. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, like it, there's not like it doesn't that part of it does not feel to a piece to me. Yeah. You know? the, there are like one or two times where that happens where like I felt yes. I felt like a boss, a boss properly defined the area around them. It's just rare, yeah. you know, and when you have this many areas, uh, it's not just there are a few times. It's like low by percentage, mm-hmm. you know, because this is is weirdly like a very big game with like something like 23 bosses or something like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a big reason why we're doing this in three episodes rather than two, just because there's so many boss fights yeah. uh, in it. So. Yeah. The other disclaimer that we should probably give um, is that because this is a 2D platformer, um, the space is not as well defined as um, as as a 3D game. Uh, so we're not going to be able to kind of approach this with a level of granularity just because the space doesn't define the flow of game as much as it does in that. So when we talk about an area, you know, instead of giving fiddly navigation bits, we're going to be talking about what is the general feel? What is the gimmick? What are the, you know, the, the unique enemies that it introduces, um, and especially the bosses, um, themselves. Mm. So like, this is going to be highlights as opposed to, you know, like, oh, and on this screen, here's, here's the thing they're trying to teach you. It's going to be highlights as opposed to highlights for kids, <laughs> which means there's all tons of bush, um, like goof is his bush, gallant's bush. He's get to see Bush for miles. It's highlight for adults. I, I, I really don't like the phrase Bush for miles. <laughs> like Bush for miles? Um, I mean, like in principle, it might be okay, but just uh, the, like the nightmare version, the, the, the crazy like berserk eclipse that I'm picturing oh, sure. when you say, when you say yeah. Bush for miles, it's pretty, yeah. uh, it's pretty upsetting to me, actually. That is that I actually, yeah, I'm not super into that either. Yeah. Now that I think about it. The, um, <laughs> but anywho. It's going to be highlights for adults. Uh, so, so we're, we're going to give uh, just kind of give those highlights. And that actually comes up with like any 
2D game we do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like being like, oh, at this point you, I mean, there are a couple of individual set pieces where it's like, at this point, this ledge is positioned by the sniper. So when you climb up it, you get knocked off, things like that. But yeah. there's not so much of that that it, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like it's worth calling out the same way that some game, like another platformer with, you know, this wasn't even, I don't even feel like that was worth calling out to that degree in Symphony. Right. You know, which oh, is no, like, like the, a like masterpiece. The... <laughs> like, you know, there, there are platformers that do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this is one. Yeah. So. This will be closer to Symphony than it was to Shovel Knight. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get started. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we don't know how far each, epi- each episode is going to go. Check the description um, to figure out, like, we can't say oh, we're going to go through X place, but we know where we're going to start, which is the beginning with our intro scroll. Well, before that, yeah, you do make your character. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's worth noting that, like, um, so you have different classes you can pick. Um, these don't make as big a difference, even as they do in Dark Souls. It's just a couple stat points. Yeah. And you're opening equipment, and none of the opening equipment is great. Um, but you have, you know, a, a knight, a paladin, wizard, um, you know, fighter, things like that, standard things. Uh, a couple <laughs> interesting ones. Um, the hunter is explicitly a, a Bloodborne reference. He's got a tricorn hat and everything. And, and a whip and a, and a crossbow. Um, there is a pauper, which is the equivalent of, you know, of, a, of the depraved or what have you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you choose your <laughs> there's starting also, kingdom. There's also the cook. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which fights. is, that's. That's their joke with their samurai dishwasher, I think. Yeah. And that's a joke with that. Um, the cook, which fights with a, a frying pan. Mm-hmm. Pretty cute. Um, and then the uh, uh, you can choose your origin, which is kind of how you customize uh, your skin color. Yes. And that's these different areas. So through that, um, kind of seeing everyone's origins, um, the, this opening scroll, we actually know who these two kingdoms are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of the loresters behind uh, Salt and Sanctuary have kind of figured out uh, yes. this, this mystery or whatever. Yes. Um, but this kind of breaks down to a little bit of like a Helen of Troy kind of thing. You know, the world has been at war for centuries. Um, the ship that we're on uh, is delivering the princess from one kingdom to the uh, kind of rival kingdom in order to seal a peace accord, essentially. Ascaria and Tristan yes. are the, the two kingdoms which are kind of told by uh, context clues. Mm-hmm. Um, we wake up in the ship's hold uh, as we're getting boarded uh, by kind of bandits. Yes. And this is your, your combat tutorial mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, low stakes, you know, very, very low stakes as you're going in, uh, kind of, it is teaching you to do your, uh, basic combos. Um, it's uh, very fun in this game, I think, to initiate the, uh, the juggle combo a little bit, uh, to mm-hmm. like shoot people up into the air for some reason that is, that is always fun in whatever game it, it is included in, um, and ends up being very useful, but you are just kind of working your way through this very small dungeon until you get to the unspeakable deep who is our, you know, presumably unbeatable uh boss that will kill you yeah you can beat him yep um if you beat him you get uh, some upgrade material and a bunch of experience um it's pretty tedious though because he can kill you in one hit oh yeah and uh this he looks like cthulhu mm-hmm. uh like it is a big it is explicitly looking like cthulhu and these are krakens mm-hmm. um in this world krakens don't mean kraken um they are gigantic beasts that live uh underwater but there are ones that can go on land mm-hmm. and they can shapeshift yeah. Um, they're kind of like demigods, sort of, like just gigantic, very powerful monsters. Yes, and we're going to be encountering a lot of them because they love this island that we're on. Most of the bosses are Krigans. Yes. Um, some of them are just people, but a lot, you know, that kind of slowly kind of uh, are ascending to candlelit, uh, this kind of god status, mm-hmm. candlelit souls uh, in this game. But for the most part, it is uh, they're Krigans. Yes. Yeah. But this thing, regardless of if you defeat it or not, has uh, sunk the ship and you awaken on the beach 
you know, and this sets up the quest for the game, which is to find the princess. And that quest does not hold uh, <laughs> at all. Yes, it becomes yeah. it becomes irrelevant uh, compared to the task of figuring out what's going on here and getting off of the island itself. Um, so, yeah, the, the, that question, you're know, just kind of moving forward and moving forward to the right on this beach. Uh, we run into this old man. Um, we're going to learn more about him later. He shows up and uh, you can't really get past this guy. He asks uh, which which gods you follow. Yes. And this is your choice of the three kind of opening covenants. Yep. Uh, this is not explained. And this is one of the major reasons why you're going to want to play with wiki. Wiki. In yeah. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a lot of consequences to it. Um, they kind of ramp up uh, covenants slower in Dark Souls and they have less effect. Whereas this is something if you want to play a strength character and choose the faith covenant, you won't be able to buy cool stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, until you naturally run into, you know, one of the iron ones. Yes. And can change covenants. You can't just change willy nilly. You have to actually do it at one of their their places. So, yeah. the the again, the dialogue is very elliptical. As you're talking to him, it's kind of like, oh, do you hold to the current gods? No. Ah, well, you are you the old god or no god? It's like, mm. well, do you worship yourself? Okay, well, that maybe tax on to strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it's a little bit frustrating the way this is articulated. I wish this had just been a character creation choice. Yeah. Um, and been uh, kind of explained a little bit. Yeah. But uh, this also, the reason why you have to talk to this guy, he gives you a sanctuary key. Yes. Um, you head forward into the first sanctuary, and uh, you get your healing items uh, from the shrine. Um, you're kind of limited. You only start out with, uh, I think, three. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, but, and that and, is supplemented by the by the red shards, which are weirdly yes. enough in vials. Yes, red, red shards, which are in vials, which are healing crystals. They heal you very little and kind of slowly, but they're mm-hmm. useful for uh, in-between encounter healing, yeah. similar to Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like those. I like popping those as insurance, uh, you, yeah. you know, just over the course of play, you're, you're never going to run out of them. So we, we, um, we didn't really talk about starting gifts. Um, there's a couple different starting gifts you can start with and don't start with the healing items. No, because uh, you, you'll run into them and people will drop them like crazy. Um, there isn't, you can get the ring that gives you plus 10% uh, salt, which mm-hmm. is really good. Um, but the kind of pro choice is the Amber idol, yes. which allows you to make kind of boss weapons early. Yeah, uh, um, like uh, normally you can't find amber amber idols outside of like very rare drops until like the second episode that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's uh, that that will give you a huge leg up. You yeah. don't really know that starting out, but that is what you should do if you're if you're going to give this a shot. Yeah, and that, um, that, that like that's how you get your Drake sword. You know. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as you're going, like you're picking up these bottles and it's, you know, this is your tutorialization. Uh, these bottles are kind of hard to see, especially against against the ground clutter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, you're fighting these zombies, these. Uh, um, well, the, the bottles are our soapstone messages. Yes, there we go. Um, which we didn't mention. So this this is the way that uh, the game is giving you your tutorial and players can leave these as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the players, will t- there are secret walls in this game. Yes. Um, they don't have a visual tell that I can tell. So this is how I found most of them. The the, um, the the closest thing to a visual tell, most of them have an item behind them, and that will kind of glow through the fog of war. Yeah, yeah, if you can see them. But some of them just go into just a whole room without an item there. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just goes into a room. Those ones, I don't know how you tell other than just uh, humping every wall, Doom style, and like, yeah. I didn't want to hump every wall. So I just waited for messages to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're just fighting zombies. Um, there are uh, regular ground zombies that kind of move slow, similar to, to low-level hollows. There are archers up on kind of scaffolding. Yeah. Uh, what are they, they building here? <laughs> they, they, I mean, it could be like a defensive thing, you know, they, 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 they do a good job of, you know, introducing the slow, weak ones, then giving them weapons and then having them covered by the archers. Like this is, this is a good low stakes run up between, between the sanctuary and the festering banquet. Yeah. The festering banquet, which is our first actual uh, area of the game. I'd still kind of consider this tutorial yeah. really up through this first boss. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so this is a uh, this this used to be a fortress and has kind of turned into this uh, charnel house uh, kind of place where people did eat. There are, you can see <laughs> there are banquet areas, there are tables with with kind of rotting food on them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that all of that just exists to justify this. Uh, I like this name. Um, I, <laughs> I I admit uh, calling a place the festering banquet. Uh, that is, you know, ring a bell evocative yeah, to good. me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not. I mean, there aren't not there. There are exceptions. Yes, you know, to it. But then, you know, and then even the the next major area of the village is smiles. But then you end up with sunken keep, uh, <laughs> bandits pass, watching woods. Yeah, Meyer of Stash, Cran's Pass. Who's Cran? Like, there's just like <laughs> people aren't named very well in this game. You know, the great person Cran. Yeah, <laughs> like, give me a break. Like, it, it's like a, a it's too much like like Cran Apple or like Cran, Cranberry or Crantastic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah so this this is still good though. So. Let's just say that Cran has some reasons to be bitter. That is true. Cran yeah. that lowers deep with Cran. Um. <laughs> But this is the festering banquet. Uh, again, still part of that tutorial. Uh, there's zombies. They're kind of introducing the kind of multi-level combat yeah, here. Yeah. Um, you know, combat on stairs, things like that, or mm-hmm. ladders rather, and yeah. kind of ramps. So there are stairs. There are Castlevania-style stairs. Um, yeah. There are temporary platforms. You know that will uh, crumble away beneath you, and then and then return. Uh, those are used to infuriating effect later. Mm. <laughs> it gets uh, gets really rough. Yeah. But um, and this is this is actually a pretty well designed area too. Because oh, I like this the, a lot. The, yeah, the secret structure in this level is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going kind of in and out of the the banquet, uh, out of the tower as you move, um, and making your way outside, kind of dropping down things like that. You can mm-hmm. find a lot of kind of fun secrets. Yeah, you can kick down um, a ladder that'll uh, let you bypass the ground floor. And uh, right outside, right by that ladder, there are three uh, people hung, uh, mm-hmm. and these are actually other players. Uh, it's their armor from people who died. Yeah, uh, to this area that happens on uh, several places actually, and it's always to a good effect. Yeah, even though everyone just wears there's a goofy pumpkin hat. Oh yeah, <laughs> so like it either like either looks really cool because what are these two three pumpkin monsters doing hanging here, <laughs> or it's just like two warriors and some idiot in a pumpkin head that ends up seeing Carl. Yeah, You have to go all in on pumpkin heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, that's kind of the meme thing in this. Other than like, what's well, a uh, good potato, helmet? It's a really good helmet for fire resistance. Um, or pot- potato armor. The potato knight. There's yeah, a dark soul. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the russet armor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's you know there's a couple of little silly bits that the community has has really embraced. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty well designed. I, I like this a lot as like our undead burg uh, style area. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduce uh, kind of these dog type enemies, the feral beasts. Like you you step outside and then just immediately is like right on top of you. Um, mm-hmm. And that little room is very well designed to like get you to you know understand. Hey, you can jump over enemies to get like above them on a level. And like this for me was where I really started learning to rely on jump attacks as well, doing like yeah. the uh, you know the drop attack stuff. Yep. 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 Um, skull bats are introduced here, which are your first flying enemy. Um, by far not the, the worst, but pretty annoying and pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, so flying enemies in this game, uh, can attack you. One thing that salt and sanctuary and doing a 2d game reminds me of, um, and I, I came up with this comparison. I think I was talking about it on Twitter is that, uh, it's almost like every enemy is a new Londo ghost mm, in that yeah. every enemy can come at you from any angle, including through the ground. Yeah. So like, and flying enemies form like 40% of the things you fight, 30%, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, you'll fight a lot of like kind of ghosts and phantoms and stuff like that. And it can just be very frustrating when 
they are coming up at a 45 degree angle from the ground in front of mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. Or you know, you when, can... when they're chasing you directly through level geometry. That's what the fire ghost are one of my least favorite enemies in this game. And we'll get yeah. to those guys in a couple levels. And I think those guys just literally, I, I think that monster is like unconscionable. Like yeah. I think that is, that guy's not okay. Yeah. Um, these flying enemies, especially when they're coming above you, you know, you benefit from having a, a, a weapon that will do an overhead attack, which is, which speaks to, you know, again, like variety choosing the right tool for the job, but because flying enemies are so, are so common, like it makes, you know, using like a thrust type weapon, less uh less viable in a lot of cases especially because of that no- that knockback especially because they're often mixed in with uh with other types of enemies yeah you you can have an alternate weapon that you can switch back and forth between but i don't want to be switching back and forth between you know three weapons right and if you're a caster or something like that like that extra weapon you're fl- switching back and forth is probably your wand yeah or yeah. what have you yeah and so. if you're uh if you're using big weapons like i was you know i was using that as a way to quickly switch between two hand and one hand Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so it's not like you can necessarily be loaded out with things to a tackle. You know, it's it's missing uh, sub weapons. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, We're yeah, missing the axe. Yeah. Yeah. Castlevania has the axe. That's why Castlevania has the axe. Um, this you you do have thrown weapons, but you have to stop and aim them. Yeah. If you want to shoot them up, there's no lock on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just uh, it takes a little while, and mm-hmm. these enemies tend to be pretty quick. Again, not so much with the bats, but those fire ghosts that can literally rot in hell um, <laughs> are ve- are very fast. Uh, Gary, them rotting so, in hell is why they're here. That's what they want. <laughs> the um, well, they, they don't. They probably don't want the rot part. Oh, true. Yeah. So uh, it, it'd be like because I don't. I don't want to like. Let's say like you know. I don't want to want to rot over at Fire in the Mountains. Like I like that place. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to be there. I like chicken wings, but I don't want to rot there. I'm just picturing you so. being held in state like Lenin. Yeah. <laughs> people eating wings off me yeah i think it's like a really grisly image like if, if you looked at it from the side and there's a yeah. corpse lying down it literally would uh, be a festering banquet or, or at least it, a, fest, a festering would, buffet it looks very different from 3d from 2d like it is uh, <laughs> um, yeah. i love our fixation on what happens with our bodies after we die. yeah i'm very curious yeah, uh, yeah. um <laughs> so you kind of just you can you uh continue to climb up um, going in and kind of out of the tower until ultimately you get up to the top where your our first real boss is uh, the sodden knight. Yep, um, this is a large cloaked uh, a large cloaked knight enemy um, who attacks with a gigantic sword, which you can get by turning in his ashes. Um, and we're uh, introduced to the battle music, which is almost uniformly um, you know squeedily squeedily guitars. We yeah uh, we didn't talk about the music in this, but there's there's a real dearth of music. Right. Uh, it feels like there are two songs. Uh, that, that's not quite the case, but the boss music is the same for each each boss. Yeah, pretty much, and that's that's actually a real problem and plays into um, navigation, mm-hmm. right? So, like in in Symphony of the Night, we talked about this in that episode um, where the uh, upside down castle is hard to navigate, or more like less fun to navigate than the right side up castle, because when you go into an area in Symphony of the Night, not only do you have this entirely different visual palette, uh, which Salt doesn't have, but mm-hmm. you have a new song. Uh, yep. To associate with that area, um, here that's not the case. It's silent except every once in a while, butt rock guitars chime up, and then the bosses all have the same music, which gives them like a lack of identity. Yeah, you know, think about how you think about the Moonlight Butterfly versus Ornstein and Snow, mm-hmm. and how much of that has to do with the music. Yeah, you know that like that music, you know, not even when it's just at its best, but even when it's just being used as intended, is a way to help um, extend the story of these yes. of these things. There are times where they'll reuse. Um, different uh, different tracks, but like even that, 
feels like it's to the same effect. You know, again, like using your example, Moonlight Butterfly, that track being used again for Gwendolyn. Um, that says yeah. something, you know? Yes. Uh, that, that's kind of to a purpose. And that's very rare. Um, this is something I chalk up to just it literally being a really small team. Yeah, yeah. So so I understand it, even though whenever I think about that excuse for some of the shortfallings, I'm just like, why didn't you make the game two thirds as long? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, take some take some of that time and the resources spent. I know it's not a one to one ratio. I know game development is hard. I have a lot of respect for these guys for making this. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fucking great. But like we, it's very we, functional. But yeah, it, it, there's some misplaced priorities, I think. Yeah. You know, and they could have made something that was truly great um, <laughs> instead of something that like I put it like a C and you probably put it like a B, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like, I don't know. It gets frustrating to me that this is such a problem when I got sick of playing the game long before it was over. Right. Or, you know, so. Anywho, uh, the Sod Knight is a pretty good fight, though. Yep. Um, big cloaked knight uh, guy who has these kind of different uh, slashes and combos. Um, every enemy has two phases in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, has after they get to half health or so they start doing you know new attacks right and get more aggressive so he he has a three hit combo um he just gets a lot more jumpy and fast mm-hmm. halfway through. yeah he will complement his melee attacks with uh lightning that shoots along the floor again mm-hmm. um you know making this into a platforming challenge a little bit like knowing when to jump over those things and being able to like you turn that into a dodge behind him um, is pretty important. Like this also mm-hmm. for me was a blocking tutorial because you're never really forced to do that so much with the regular rank and file enemies. You know, I don't think about, you know, Dark Souls style blocking in a platformer just because that's just not the way things usually work. Here, I had to adapt to that. So I think this is a very yeah. effective way to like get you up to speed. Yeah, I mean, I I in either time I played this, the first time or the the like the four times I fought this guy, mm-hmm. um, I never really got, I never really did very much blocking. Hmm. Um, you know, I just rolled to the behind him, hit him once and then yeah. rolled back as he turned around. Um, yeah, I, to me, this is a tutorial on the, or like, I mean, I guess it's a good, I mean, it's a good boss because it teaches yeah. you a couple different things. Um, is really, this is the first guy where you have to roll through him to get to the other side and still mm-hmm. engage him. Yeah. It's both you're not doing that to bypass him. You're doing it to, you know, to avoid an attack and get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets, you know, moves that kind of, he gets his like very fast strike behind him move that, mm-hmm every boss gets when you know you're going to be back there yeah um nowadays <laughs> um but it's uh it's a pretty good fight yeah and uh usually when i beat him because i am he's not very hard but because i'm so weak low level like i beat him and i i don't have very much health left yeah uh, so it feels really good and the game does a really like kind of kinesthetically pleasing like the last hit uh, everything slows down mm-hmm. as you hit him like it's really dramatic and good yeah uh, um, and it's, pretty, it's pretty cool especially if you're just beating them by the skin of your teeth or it's been several different attempts getting to that does feel very good yeah yeah yep, yep, yep. um yeah yeah so uh killing him gets you the key for the back door um out of the banquet itself uh where you meet uh your second npc here this masterless knight uh kind of has a samurai top knot um yep. who you know kind of asked me why i'm here you know says oh rescuing a princess how cliche um and says oh i'm gonna go to this castle to the east and slay the dragon there um and, and- oh good or he's gonna say this is the first the way he talks about it is the first kind of hint things aren't right because mm-hmm. he's got I mean, people in video games never have a proper sense of terror, you know, <laughs> as a, what's going on with them. But he's very like uh, he's talking about this in terms of kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a dragon, it has to be slayed. If there's a princess, that has to be rescued, you know, and like that's weird. That's meta. <laughs> um, and the fact that that, you know, that actually ends up playing into the, the big reveal. Yeah. This. Yeah. Um, but he says like, hey, there's this castle over there, but there's also a passageway 
uh, beneath the castle itself. Um, I think for framing up the shape of the world, it's important to go over to the Bandits Pass, even if it does get to a dead end, because uh, this will set up one of the first real kind of ability gates that we're going to get to. Yeah, yeah. And it, so you, you head to your right, you fight some more kind of bandits uh, on your way. You run to your first sanctuary that is claimed. Right. Um, this is the uh, sanctuary of uh, Devaris, the goddess of light, who is kind of the general cleric, uh, you know, peace goddess, healing goddess. Yes. Type character. Yeah. So this was just a, you know, just a bonfire for me, which is which is fine. Um, and uh, like the path even to the right of that is kind of filled with these more resilient raider zombies. Um, you know, bigger guys. Uh, there's kind of an upper level in the trees there over this horrifying looking charnel pit um, that all these uh, weaker zombies are going to raise raise out of. Yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of goes on forever. It's like a clown car <laughs> of, of zombies, uh, that section there. Um, it should be noted, too, real quick before we move on from that sanctuary is that you do get an item that can convert sanctuaries yes to to your own things you can pretty much be like no you're my religion (laughs) and every it's very funny everyone shuffles out and new guys shuffle in (laughs) from from like just like uh, you know from backstage or whatever yeah like all of the uh, background decorations sink into the ground and yours pop up yep (laughs) very very funny um it's it's, it's like when all those circuit cities turned into halloween stores yeah like i'm sure this used to be a pizza hut (laughs) i'm sure this used to be a a, a mountain smith clan um but but essentially you're just you're fighting kind of tougher versions of zombies here um this is actually balanced pretty well for being after the festering banquet Mm -hmm. Um, i mean this is a great place like i gave myself a couple of like advantage levels i did a little Mm -hmm. bit of uh, grinding here to make the Mm -hmm. next to the next areas easier um, but essentially what you're doing, um, and this also has its first kind of like real platforming challenge, um, that series of kind of sh- narrow platforms mm-hmm. uh, that leads to treasure mm-hmm. um, with uh, with jumps you're kind of going to barely make, yeah. which is going to be a thing. You mantle in this game, yes. um, you grab onto ledges. Yeah. Um, that can be a little bit fiddly mm-hmm. uh, in this game, but um, I definitely missed some that I don't feel like I should have missed. And that's a real bad feeling when the stakes are death. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, it you know, most most part it works. Yes. Yep. Uh, there's a small little area you can get to uh, that is actually the uh, outlet for a smaller uh, kind of shortcut you're going to get you're going to get to from later. This is like a very dark place with some chain gear. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Again, showing you elevators that you can't activate, like knowing, yes, uh, knowing the language of these games, uh, this is going to be a place to get back to. Yes. Yeah. And essentially, you're going to the east here to find um, a dead end. There's a guy here. Uh, who says, like, yeah, this obelisk here, there's this gigantic glowing obelisk thing, uh, will actually get you in, but you, you know, you're not equipped for it yet. Right. Um, no. And it's not clear what these obelisks are going to do, like, because the thing that's stopping you from getting over there is like a bottomless pit. Like, the bridge is yeah. out. Yeah. And so the payoff of this is actually pretty cool. Yes. And um, we'll get to that later, but I, this is something I actually really like in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of doing that, you're supposed to go kind of down and left to the Village of Smiles. <laughs> I love um, this name. I don't know. Yes, why. It's yeah. a kid, kids dentistry uh, place from. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Kids, dentist, kids uh, dentistry places uh, creep me out. Uh, there's yeah. one right across the uh, right across the way from my post office where the P.O. box is. Um, and every time um, like <laughs> it's the only uh, it's the only strip mall building that I've seen where like the facade has fallen down and the sign like got damaged mm-hmm. in a in a storm. It was kind of like the Flanders house a little bit. Nothing else around it was damaged. But like it was just the kids dentist. The um, on my way to the my friend drove me to the airport uh, when I when I was at home last mm-hmm. and we drove by a, a children's dentist that had a giraffe like like sculpted to be bursting out of the bricks. Oh, no. With with human teeth. <laughs> 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 I 
Oh, God. It was the worst. You just triggered a memory. Oh, God. You just raised a nightmare. Like, it was amazing. Like, I looked over and I'm like, oh, that's good. It's like, there's there's silly shit like that. There's a seafood place here in Portland that has a big, like, fish bursting out of the the roof, you know, like, as as like a fake sculpture thing. But it just looks like a fish. It doesn't have human teeth. Yeah, no. Um, Anything with human teeth that ought not have human teeth immediately makes it terrifying. It's pretty Picture picture a dog with human teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, The, uh, yeah. So the, uh, but the thing about a children's dentist is that my relation to dentistry like i could probably use that kind of soft touch like i need someone to come in and just like tell me how how good and brave i am and yeah. then you know you, you need somebody to put on some tiny tunes yeah 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 i need to you know, watch some tiny tunes and then just pump me full of kid drugs <laughs> <laughs> just like really really fill me to the gills like give me three doses of kid drugs please and then like take out my teeth so <laughs> can, give can, I, can i give you a note uh never say kid drugs again <laughs> <laughs> no, like you can give whatever notes you want, but I'm, I'm going to follow it. You well, give yeah. what you want. I'll follow what I want. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want them kid drugs. Yeah. Uh, but the adult version of that is sedation dentistry, which like I've legitimately looked at because I, I just want someone to put like knock me out and then just mm-hmm. do all the stuff they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. But the village um, of smiles, um, this is not the blight town of the game, but you would be forgiven for thinking that it is. Mm. Like kind of, yeah, it kind of looks like you go through a cave on your way here first. Mm hmm. Um, that, that's kind of uh, worth mentioning because you run into your first floating major enemy. Oh, yeah. He's kind of like dorky ghosts with sickles for hands. Yeah, the blade wraiths. Uh, yeah, yeah, blade wraith. And you also run into a little beggar that sells upgrade materials uh, mm-hmm. kind of at a, at a premium, but they're things that you would have to grind for otherwise. Yes. So uh, this guy is kind of good. Um, but for the most part, you kind of move through this dark cave. Uh, this also uh, introduces the torch mechanic, mm-hmm. which is uh, lifted almost entirely from uh, Dark Souls 2. Yeah, you don't have, uh, like, a number of torches. Each torch that you find just adds to the total time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if, and you are, are giving up a shield the right. same way uh, you do in, in Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. Um, those blade wraiths, I don't like them very much. No, um, no. They can come at you from weird angles, and uh, the, like, if you don't have a lot of reach. Ex- yeah they're, they're like they're best here where they're going to be like above the town square and like it, it's like a little miniature arena for it like in the uh in the cave itself it like just the the restricted mobility works against you with it yeah because there are a lot of pits in this cave yeah yeah um but the village of smiles itself you kind of uh, break out and you very quickly see that there are people who are kind of strung up you know this is mm-hmm. the place like the like lenia the queen's the the, yeah, the queen of smiles uh, was the ruler of this place who would decorate the walls with the smiling corpses of, you know, the people that she kind of persecuted until the populace turned on her and then made her the queen of smiles herself. Yes. Um, and, you know, we're kind of seeing uh, the results of that here, um, especially as the dogs come at you and the spike log track come trap comes down and at a low level will probably like ace you. Yeah, yeah. You the uh, traps in this game uh, they tend to be just tripwires. Yep. Um, you know, like like all good traps, and once you know what you're looking for, they're not that big a deal. Um, they start doing some kind of bullshit with them in some of the platform or heavy areas where they put them right on the edge of a ledge. Yeah, yeah. You can't really avoid tripping them when you climb up on it. Yeah, and in those um, in those cases, uh, that is often the first trap you're going to see in that area. So the way they signal that there is possibly there there's the possibility of a of a trap knocking you off of a. Uh, platform is to have a trap knock you off the edge of a platform yeah yeah um which is you know again that's kind of an annoying consequence you know to to kind of teach a lesson they also do things sometimes where like this um if you don't immediately rush into this level an enemy will trip this trap for you um and they do things like that which i really like 
actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another log trap uh, where this is very likely to happen a little bit later on your way to the uh, the Queen of Smiles, the boss, um, where they add that. I think that's how you demonstrate traps. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, that's a really good way to do it. Um, the kind of bigger deal here, other than the dogs and, and just kind of scrubs, uh, is this bronze knight. Yes. Um, these are the black knight equivalent. Um, these are slow, uh, tanky, kind of like, you know, eight foot tall in comparison knights. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, I feel like, is your parry tutorial. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't want to parry these things, they take for fucking ever. Yeah, you're just doing scratch um, damage to them. Yeah. Barely can do damage to them. And your parries, again, don't do as much damage as they do uh in dark souls but you can attack guys while they're getting up mm-hmm. so your parry does huge amounts of knockback or your post rather and uh you can hit guys while they're getting up and kind of make this not take literally a million years yeah yeah um i like these guys i think they're pretty fun i i think that they are often uh so these guys and when they start bringing in kind of equivalents that are either uh quicker or uh mm-hmm. ones that are a little bit more casty um i always feel like they're mixed in pretty well yeah yeah, yeah. I th- it's fun to it's fun to parry in this game mm-hmm. like uh, um, so you take this guy out and if you don't want to the nice thing about how this guy's positioned too is that if you are not comfortable with parrying um, mm-hmm. if you lead him back into the cave um, <laughs> you have a height advantage so you can always jump up on a ledge and heal you can do drop attacks from there yeah things like that um, one thing that's frustrating that with enemies being able to follow you through tr- uh, screen transitions is they can hit you through those as well yep so you can be standing next to a, a screen transition and have someone strike you from off screen. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, shouldn't have been in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow. Yeah. Um, so the kind of the centerpiece of this is the town square, which you uh, get to, there are other traps, like there are auto crossbows that are kind of pointed at you. That's the other, uh, the other thing that, uh, that, that is uh, kind of harrying you here. There's a sanctuary down below, but the centerpiece is this square with a blade wraith over the top of it. But, um, at ground level, there are all of these corpses um, just kind of like thrown around. That isn't strange. What is strange is this grisly looking scarecrow uh, that you can <laughs> speak to um, who has what I think is some pretty well-written apocalyptic dialogue. I like the menace that he throws in, especially because, well, what the fuck? It's a scarecrow when more accurately it is a it is a crucified body. Yeah, just dressed as a as a scarecrow. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this thing is cool and mysterious. Yeah. Um, we're going to keep running into this guy and mm-hmm. he essentially just kind of says some, some spooky shit and then says, you know, will <laughs> you, will you kneel? Will you bend the knee? Um, I don't know if he, what happens if you say yes. I feel like that's the kind of question that's designed for oh, like, people who play games to never say yes to. Yeah. Well, even if you say yes, it's like, ah, you know, I don't believe you, you know, uh, okay. like everybody, you know, but thou must <laughs> kind of, yeah. but it, like it's, it's play for it. It's like, you know, even if you believe that you would give up, you know, I will, I, I will kind of extract it from you through pain, you know, like I'm not going to let you give up that easy because you're going to de- deny me my fun kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and when you, when you talk to him, the screen kind of pushes in and kind of shakes and there's a rumbling sound and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you do a pretty good job with, uh, it being kind of a 2d, you know, not super immersive game of giving the effect of, uh, you know, that's not voiced mm-hmm. of giving the effect of him just having like this gravelly kind of terrifying voice. Like, I think this guy's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, we'll get to what he is. Oh. There's not a real reason to be coy about it, but just we'll, we run into him a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the second portion of the level is this kind of dark upper layer that has another bronze knight in it and a couple more uh, traps. This is that place where it demonstrates. Yeah. Sometimes enemies will just walk into the trip wires. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this demonstrates another kind of frustrating thing uh, I find with boss runs, because this is on your way to the boss run um, for, uh, you know, the, the, you have to kind of make 
a pretty decent little boss run mm-hmm. uh, for this boss. Yeah. Uh, later boss runs are a little bit more more uh, lenient. Um, is that enemies will follow you for a long time uh, in this, and it just kind of plays into that like you should be able to run past shit. Yeah. Uh, thing that I want. So if the you blade don't, wraith, yeah, if you don't take care right, of the blade wraith, it'll it'll come at you with everything it has. Yeah, it will follow you into this area where you have to stop because of this trap. Like it really wants you just to clear this over and over and over. I feel mm-hmm. like, and uh, I don't like that uh, yeah. particularly. Um, bosses can also follow you, or enemies can follow you into boss arenas. Yep, uh, which should never have been in the game, and that ends up becoming a problem for a later boss that I know was a contentious point for you as well. Yeah. Um. So we will we'll talk about that. The blade wraith has never followed me that far mm-hmm. uh, because there's kind of like a, a long drop uh, uh, yeah. in this cave. Yeah. But um, you know that is a possibility, mm-hmm. and I think it's lame. Um, I think around here is when you might get your first charm. You want to talk about those real quick? Yeah, uh, let's, before we go to the let, boss? Let, let's hit that because I, I like these. Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. It, it's what they do instead of like you can improve weapons at the blacksmith, uh, you know, your standard kind of plus one, plus two. But it, instead of infusing them, we have these charms um, that you can append onto a weapon, uh, only certain weapons, and they give you different effects. Mm hmm. So uh, like poison damage, fire damage, um, but some of them are pretty interesting, like additional reach, uh, which is really cool, like makes your weapon longer yeah. uh, when you attack. And that's that's a really cool thing to play with um, or attack speed, things like that. And there's a kind of a wide variety of these things. Um, pretty neat. Yeah. And it's it's uh, again in a game that asks you to be pretty adaptable. Um, I like that you're able to swap these out kind of on the fly without any real cost. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're not appending it to the weapon permanently. Yeah. You are you can switch them out whenever you yeah. want. So effectively it's like a, a more specialized ring slot that you just kind of always have dedicated mm-hmm. toward that. Yeah, and I think it's a really smart addition that you are able to do it wherever you want, as opposed to a bloodborne like you can change rings in this one <laughs> place. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so the boss here um, is the Queen of Smiles. Again, this is that Queen Lenia uh, who was mm-hmm. sacrificing all these people. Um, and she looks pretty cool. She's got kind of this uh, Queen Adia kind of r- r- structure on her back. I don't know. Like, it's all like the Lady her... of Pain a little bit. Yeah, Lady of Pain. There we go. Yeah, she's got like just uh, she's a very spiky, very spiky mm-hmm. woman. Yep. Um, this is something where I think the actual visual design of this looks okay, but the animation makes it look silly. Yeah, especially like, because she, she, she always has to be facing you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That fa- attack she does, the camera, I mean, the, the second attack she does where she uh, kind of like wheels her arms backwards mm-hmm. and runs at you is so silly looking <laughs> that it makes it impossible for me to think this is cool or scary. It, yeah, it, it kind of looks like uh, she is. I, I'm playing Salt and Sanctuary, but this is this is an opponent from Samba de Amigo. Yeah, a little or a little or it reminds it's the exact same thing that Bart and Lisa do where like Bart's like, I'm going to wheel my arms like this and walk forward. <laughs> you, towards you. And if you get in the way, it's your own fault. <laughs> The Queen of Smiles, Linnea, the, the person who used to skin everyone's faces so they smiled, is doing the same thing that Bart does. Whoa, whoa, and that, whoa. It's it's really silly yeah. uh, looking, you know, and it just, uh, I don't know, I think that's part of, uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to be scared to take some of this stuff seriously yeah. because of that animation um, issues. Mostly this is, uh, I think this is a pretty easy boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does these kind of, she does some kind of swipes. She does a lot of charges. So I think yeah. if this is teaching you anything, it's dodging through uh, like a charging enemy with precise timing, mm-hmm. um, which is a, which is a valuable lesson. Yeah. Um, uh, if, she's, as, if she's at a distance from you, um, she will kind of fire off these uh, star patterns with uh, small blades from her yes. back. Um, again, make like this is a platformer so they can use these platformer vocabulary uh, tricks. Yeah. Yeah. And she um, 
as a, her second kind of phase, she does that like whoa, 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 wheeling <laughs> uh, arm attack thing I was talking about. And then uh, also just, again, is more aggressive, moves more. Um, she has uh, she this is one of the only times the game uh, really, really clearly telegraphs a weakness because she's weak to holy damage and they just give you holy resin. Yeah, yeah. like right literally right outside her boss door. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's pretty rare. That bosses do that in this game, but this one they're actually saying, hey, do this because it's an early boss. Yeah, I like the way the Holy Resin works in this. It is just a page from a holy book that you Mm -hmm. rub up and down your sword. Yep, yep. Yeah, good theming. Yeah. Um, Do you have to beat this boss? I I don't think think so. Maybe. I think you do. Do you have to? Okay. Yeah, I think that's Um, another way to the Watching Woods. There's another way to get into the Watching Woods. Yeah, I think that she's she's a gatekeeper for that. Like, there are lots of ways from the Watching Woods and the Sunken Keep back into this, but uh, there's only one way from here into the Watching Woods. It might just be a jump you can't make, because there's definitely, when you're down on the ground in the Village of Smiles, if you head down to your lower right, you'll run into the Watching Woods. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally, I think that's the case. But maybe you can't get to the boss from there or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it this had this weird kind of feeling to this this boss where it's like you go, go after you beat her, you go into this kind of uh, cave beneath her mm-hmm. and uh, and it opens up in the watching woods. And I was like, I already went here and decided not to go here because I hadn't beat the boss. yet. <laughs> you know, it was it was a little bit weird when that when that first happened. Yeah, yeah. it's like a different it's it's a different place that you yeah. uh, end up running into. Yeah. And with the Queen of Spiles down, that ends the first episode. I know that is incredibly early, you know, in the second major area. But the generalities took a lot of time for us to cover. So yeah, there are a lot of systems in this game. Yeah. Um, so we're going to it's going to pick up the pace of the next episode uh, next week uh, because uh, the areas go quick and the bosses go pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you very much for listening. If you have uh, at the time you're hearing this, uh, it is not too late. If you have feedback for Salt and Sanctuary, mm-hmm. this might be the last chance, though. Uh, you yeah. get depending on how we record. So if you're hearing this and you have things to say about Salt and Sanctuary, make sure you head over to duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and uh, let us know right away. Yeah. Sooner is certainly better than later. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're listening to this as well, you are able to purchase the uh, Diggity Duck Bundle. This is the first yes. episode that we're doing after that has released. We did a special episode uh, with Jim Crawford, the designer of Frog Fractions 2, talking about the Souls of Darkness LCD game that is included in Frog Fractions 2 absolutely yeah yeah um if you like this show in general uh hit us up at uh, patreon.com forward slash duck tv and that is a a huge deal and we Mm -hmm. really really do appreciate it um you know let's us do new shows let's us continue to make shows um keeps the lights on yeah in general and uh if you're uh thirsty for more and you haven't checked it out go check out other shows on the network like uh watch out for fireballs or we referenced like a thousand times in this episode because it's really relevant uh you know that is uh (laughs) It's us doing this kind of approach to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is if you like salt, if you came to Salt and Sanctuary from Souls, mm-hmm. go to go to Symphony of the Night from Salt and Sanctuary. I think yeah. you'll dig it. Yeah, we we had one particular episode that was like that. The entire show is not um, Symphony of the Night. Yes, that, that, that is true. That'd be <laughs> that'd be amazing. Uh, 100, episode one hundred and fifty one. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Flea Rider. Um, so yeah, but it is uh, different different games yep. and stuff. Um, and then there are other shows on the network as well. Yeah, uh, that you should definitely check out. If you go to duckfeed.tv, you can see kind of everything we have on offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make a, a real quick just a, a point of saying um, that I know about Hollow Knight. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not cranky about that when people ask me about it. I just want everyone to know that like it's it's kind of a hazard of the job and it's fine, you know. But I just you know I know about it. Yeah. Uh, just so if you're hearing uh, if you're listening to this episode and you're wondering whether I know about Hollow Knight, yeah, um, I do know about it. We do keep up on 
Souls likes. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not super plugged into mainstream game media, but I follow a lot of YouTubers. I uh, that are in the Souls community. I do keep up on Souls stuff. Mm-hmm. So things like the Surge, things like Hollow Knight. Um, you know, I know about Eater. Yeah. I know about these games that are going to come out. Yeah. Um, and it's not. You know, I know that your heart's in the right place when you mm-hmm. like hit us up about that. Um, but just so you know, like we already know about it. Yeah. And so uh, the, if I respond and I sound short or something like that, it's just because I've been asked like a bunch of times. Yeah. There, there, there are usually two parts of those messages. Do you know about this? Yes, we do. Are you going to cover on the show? Um, we're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's always the answer. Yeah. Like we're, we're still trying to figure it out because we have to schedule around um, the Dark Souls 3 DLC. We also have to uh, schedule around, you know, we, the, the, the future of the show is still we're still figuring it out. Yeah. So, but that is what we're doing. We're actively mm-hmm. doing it. So, yeah. um, we're kind of past the in the nicest possible way. We're kind of past the collecting feedback mm-hmm. portion of it. Like we know our options, and we know we've talked to a lot of people about what they want. But at the end of the day, we still have to figure out what we want to do, mm-hmm. and uh, we're doing that uh, with regards to, you know, things like whether we want to cover Hollow Knight. I think that we did talk about and you know discuss that like it's probably not sustainable for us to just kind of do Souls likes forever. Mm-hmm. Um, at the rate they're coming out, we could probably keep the show going for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as Cole alluded to with this being, you know, very difficult, uh, to kind of play through and me giving up on my second time, uh, I don't have the energy to just, you know, play every souls like when it comes out and talk about it. Right. So the future of Bonfireside chat will not be literally every dark souls inspired game. Right. Um, it will be select ones and we have to be choosy about what we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Gary, so. if you go to your Slack window, we have some people to thank. Oh, yeah. Let yeah. me uh, let me go to my Slack window. Yeah. Go ahead and get us started while I go to my Slack window. Yeah. So people who uh, give above a certain amount a month, uh, they uh, are, get thanked at the end of episodes. We are up to Brian Woodring. Thank you so much, Brian. Brian, we really do appreciate it. Uh, Ken Ewan. Ken, thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jala Prendas of The Level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jala is wonderful. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jala. Uh, Bing Zhao. Uh, thank you very much, Bing. You already made it. You're you know, on a different show. You made the joke about search oh, engines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you said that like I was definitely going to make the, the joke again, but I wasn't going to. <laughs> oh, you know, I just wanted to give you. It was either, it was either tell fact, it was either tell you or drop a uh, or drop a marker to cut it out in case I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you can make the same joke twice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we it's, often it's the do. brother of Google's out. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. I did it. I'm editing this one. Stay yeah. in. So. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much to Brian Skersha as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. and Thank everybody you, who, uh, who gives it, uh, patreon.com slash duck TV. We're so rich in Brian's <laughs> and they're all good. <laughs> we like, have so many good Brian's. Yeah. Brian's own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks. Thank you guys very much. Thanks everybody who listened. Um, we will see you next week as we plow through a bunch of areas in <laughs> salt and sanctuary. Yep. And until, uh, next, so until time, next time. Yeah. Yeah. What they do. Uh, watch your sodium intake. No, yeah, that's probably good advice. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Watch your sanctuary intake. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.